the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Monday, May 1st, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast, a proud partner of the Pulse Media Group. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, glow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family always got the biggest savings down at MyPillow. Whether you're looking to buy a MyPillow version 2.0, buy one, get one free, Maybe a MyPillow dog bed, the Airland Dells, My Slippers version 1 and 2, and Giza Dream Everything. Get a promo code STEAK, you're going to experience big savings. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. You get a promo code STEAK here, you're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, sitting down with Junior for the first time, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Instagram, find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social media, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social, welcome, special edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, an exclusive interview with Donald Trump Jr. Guys, we've made it, got a lot to talk about, getting ready to sit down with the first sun right now. We hope you guys enjoy it, so let's jump right into it. All right, big special edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast today. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, you're in for a treat because joining us for the first time, we're very excited to sit down with Donald Trump Jr., who's going to be joining us right now. Don, thanks for coming on the show. What's happening, guys? How you doing? Well, we're doing great, but the I think bigger question is right now, how are you? Well, listen, you know, getting ready for another two-year whirlwind, but I guess this is a, this is part of the thing that we're all fighting for, right? I I will say, you know, it, it was a lot easier being a real estate developer in New York and being invited to the cool person parties and all that stuff than it is uh, now. And uh, that said, what we're fighting for is is so much more important for everyone and especially, you know, our, our children. And I, I got five young kids and that's why I do this stuff. Now, that's where I want to kind of start off with. So in the last couple of months, you, you launched your own podcast. It's, a, it's an awesome show. I think the first couple of times I listened to it, what drew me back was not only like the fact that, you know, you have a podcast now and you're having all of these top tier guests, some of the biggest figures in the media, uh, you know, politicians and things like that. Actually, you sat down with your dad last week as well, which was a pretty awesome show. But but it's not any kind of podcast that just goes out and reads the headlines. You dive into the headlines. You use some very colorful language, which we enjoy on this show. <laughs> and uh, it, it was like listening to a real person talk about it. What went into you deciding that you had to get this podcast out there? And what could you say about the success you've had since you've launched? Yeah, it's been pretty awesome. And, you know, I, I didn't really know much about the podcasting world. And I'm, I'm pretty good on social and usually understand that game pretty well. But it seems like based on, you know, what the guys at Rumble are telling me, you know, we're we're crushing it and doing good and, you know, good like some of the bigger names, you know, but who've been out there doing that for 10 years. I got into it for the same reason. I, I, I've been seeing, I've been watching uh, the censorship happening uh, 
even in conservative mainstream media. I mean, you saw what sort of Fox did to Tucker Carlson uh, last week and the week before that it was Dan Bongino. And, you know, the people who would actually question some of that narrative, like, is it a brilliant plan to send one hundred and thirty billion dollars to Ukraine one of the most corrupt nations in the world, while simultaneously launching not just a proxy war, uh, which we've been fighting for two years with Russia, but also seemingly a ground war uh, against the world's largest nuclear power by volume of nuclear uh, ballistic missiles. And, you know, I, I noticed even with me, you know, I've been in sort of outspoken America first. And, you know, I, I used to be on Fox three, four, five, six, ten times a week. Yeah. I haven't been on in nine months. Not a call. Not an invite, not a, not anything. And so I understand what it what it appears like they're trying to do to the America First movement. You know, Tucker was another one of those voices, you know, when uh, when he said, hey, Donald Trump's the only one that understands this foreign policy and the risks of nuclear war with Russia. And, you know, Ron DeSantis flip flopped on it and just saying that it was like, OK, and you're gone. Oh, bye bye. Uh, and so, you know, I, I put the podcast out there because I've been blessed to be able to build up you know, a, a solid following to make sure that people actually see what's going on in the news. You know, you you don't see that the, the ridiculous stuff talking about, you know, the drag queen stuff going on and the men and women's sports and all of that. You know, they, they touch on it a little bit when there's a headline for clickbait and it's it's bullshit. But, you know, someone really has to go after just how depraved some of this stuff is. And if if our mainstream sources aren't willing to do that, and it seems they're not, uh, someone has to step up and fill that void. No, and that's the thing. You've you've entered yourself into the breach now, and are going to be taking a lot more slings and arrow that you're out there and, and telling the truth in such a the way that you're doing it. Do you, I want to stay in the thread of cancel culture, Don? So you mentioned Tucker Carlson. That's probably the biggest one recently here. Obviously, Dan Bongino decided to part ways with Fox as well. But when you kind of look at the lead up to this, some of the topics Tucker Carlson wanted to take on: big pharma, the war in Ukraine, uh, working behind the scenes to get you know, people like Julian Assange uh, out of jail and, and just all the way he, he kind of hit it. Anytime there was a bad piece of legislation going through the Senate, he'd bring on the Congress people that would talk about it and then hammer the others. You know, he'd make fun of like people like John Fetterman and Hunter Biden and have the yeah. memes of them up over his shoulders. Now you had Senate Majority Leader and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell both use time officially on the Senate floor to condemn Tucker Carlson's expose on January 6th. And then Chuck Schumer went on to talk to the press shortly thereafter and said that Rupert Murdoch needs to fire him on the spot a few weeks later. Obviously, whatever happened with Tucker happened. And then you have, you know, people like Congresswoman AOC go out there and say that, like, the deplatforming mafia works and is alive and well. In this kind of climate, especially heading into a presidential election season, probably the most important one that this country has ever seen, what can you say about combating the way that the radical progressive left up on Capitol Hill, especially in the mainstream media, are working? Their I mean, they just took one of the largest voices in, in conservative politics, definitely in, on the populist side, Tucker Carlson, at, you know, off the bench for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you you look at any of the moves that are being made, it's like, does any of this surprise you at this point? Uh, you know, you, you talked about those things. You know, I saw Mitch McConnell say, you know, it's literally the number one concern of Republicans in America, like Ukraine. I'm like, how about this? Like, it's not a top 10 concern for the average conservative I know. Uh, the, the actual America first guys, they're actually hardworking. You know, it's, it's huge in D.C. And if you're part of that uni party, which so many of these guys are, uh, especially in the Senate, you see it, you know, no one's, there's so few real fighters, you know, J.D. Vance being an exception, but, you know, there's not many that will call out this nonsense and they'll go out and say, oh yeah, it's a number one cause of Republicans. Like, I was like, have you met a Republican like outside of Washington, D.C.? Because they couldn't care less, man. They're far more worried about, you know, their children dying of opioid addiction coming across our open Southern border, but you won't spend $3 billion for that. You'll spend 130. Uh, to give it to a, a corrupt Ukrainian oligarch in a country that literally was rated more corrupt, uh, you know, than Russia uh, before they became sort of the new religion of the left and of the you know weak Rhino Republicans, and so you you see that stuff going on, and it's like I just hey man, I, I've been a fly on the wall for six or seven years now. Like there are no coincidences. Uh, this stuff doesn't just magically happen that way. There's a cognizant effort to take those kind of people. Uh, you know, off the playing field. You know, Bongino was another great example of that. I mean, again, I I used to be invited on Fox. You know, I literally I had an opportunity to go on probably any day of the week. I didn't get a call probably eight or nine months, like before midterms. 
not even a call. And, you know, that was at the time before my father even announced before others. And, you know, they had many polls that had me in the second or third place uh, for 2024 as the Republican nominee if I wanted it. So it's like, you know, it's not like I didn't have cred within a movement or within the, the space. And yet it was like, ah, we don't like what that guy says. Uh, we're just going to make sure he doesn't have a platform. And so, again, it's a big reason why I went to Rumble. They're not you know, they're not throwing guys off or saying something. I don't have to worry about waking up on Tuesday and say, oh, I used a bad word or, you know, I called out the pedophiles or, you know, the, the guys that definitely aren't groomers, but really want to make sure they're doing drag queen story hour for children, uh, you know, call out that bullshit uh, that they're trying to jam down our throats and, you know, and wake up and say, oh, you just lost all your whole following because, you know, someone in big tech who hates everything about you uh, doesn't uh, doesn't agree with that position, even if it's demonstrably true or if as all conspiracy theories it becomes true within about six months yeah that's uh you know one of the big taglines that we've always used how, how many twitter accounts have we lost we're on our 12th <laughs> but uh yeah. we're back so hopefully we stay back uh, elon musk has been pretty good for us since we've been back on there but i mean then again our true social following is well over twenty five thousand now so it's good that uh we've had a great time on that platform and sitting down with people like devin nunez who's uh been doing a great job with that on right. a regular basis so you know now that the podcast is out there and you're getting the message out to the people on a regular basis, I want to know if you have any plans on intertwining that with the campaign trail that your dad's going to be on for the next year and a half heading into the election, because it seems like it's an awesome way to kind of either move around or when people are, are coming through Florida, just to have them, you know, jump on the show and visit and talk about not only their reelection campaigns, but how they're going to contribute to your dad's and, and what, you know, Congress is probably going to look like in 2024 when we win back the White House and take back the Senate. Yeah, no, I, I think that's 100% right. You know, I, I've been doing it from uh, from our studio down here in Florida. Uh, and, you know, in season, that's great. People are going around. But, you know, now there's going to be so much, you know, you have a sort of uh, off cycle uh, session, Louisiana governor's race going to be a big one coming up. And we've seen how important that can be. Uh, you know, that's a 23 race, not a 24 race. Uh, and so, yeah, we're, we're going to be on the road a lot. I think that's a great opportunity to highlight, you know, the people in those areas that are fighters. Uh, you know, give them a chance at a platform because, you know, whether even if they have decent social following or if they're, you know, occasionally guests elsewhere, you, you just sort of see so many of the other platforms trying to, you know, dummy down what they're actually saying and what they're able to say. So, you know, I want to give those guys a chance to actually, you know, go go sort of all in, uh, you know, with their points in a place where they're not worried about that sort of cancellation. I think that's that's going to be important. And yeah, for me, I'm not going to have a choice because I'm going to be on the road, you know, x number of hundred of days of the year <laughs> and it's just sort of what i do so yeah we'll, we'll definitely take that show on the road that's awesome you know we would just want to remind our listenership it was recently in the last week or two that you had steve danes the montana senator on your show who gave the i would call it a historic i mean he's the guy that's pretty much in charge of making sure all the people that are running for senate are, are endorsed our america first candidates he's going to be working hard real there came on the show and, and endorsed your your father we thought that was a, a great piece of uh, you know podcasting right there and uh something that we haven't seen you know they'll usually put out official press statements they'll go on yeah. like you know major network but he decided to come on your show to do it which we thought was awesome so i do want to segue a little bit but kind of stay in the same radical leftist mafia we've noticed you've spoken out uh a lot on this lately the trans agenda the trans movement the normalization of this weird shit we've got going on with these people it seems like it's the progressive left's new grift we know for decades they've used hispanics and african-americans to kind of court and show how republicans are bad this that and the other thing but it seems like now they're trying to reshape an entire young generation of potentially new voters without really offering them anything except going on TV and, and trying to make talking points about it. Now, we know you've pushed back hard on this, not just from it philosophically, but it, it at a total level. How has it been kind of standing up to something that seems to be like catching fire across the country right now? Well, listen, you know, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I caught on to it sort of early and it, and it was strange. Like even, I mean, this is now years ago and I did it on Twitter and I sort of even noticed uh, you, you sort of realize the difference between sort of the online space and the DC bubbles and, and even Twitter, which, you know, four or five years ago, if you were talking about the trans thing, it was, you know, 95% leftist. And, and it was interesting. I started hitting the trans women in sports thing. Like I, I'm probably one of the earliest guys to be like, okay, I'm, I'm calling bullshit uh, <laughs> on this one. And it was interesting because even on Twitter and at the time, totally controlled by the leftists, like I'd read the comments on some of them and they're like, 
oh, I, I hate Donald Trump Jr. with a passion, but he's actually right about this one. I, you know, I can't believe I'm agreeing with Don Jr. on something. I want to shoot myself. And I was like, oh, my God, like this thing's just totally made up. Even the lunatic left, even the most radical people, most of them aren't even with this agenda. Right. But, you know, just trying to break down any of that decency, any of the norms uh, that have been out there. And, and again, whether it's whether it's family and you see that going on in Washington state and Wisconsin, where, you know, it's it's essentially a hate crime to not allow your three year old to permanently mutilate their body and cut their dick off. Like, I, I don't know, guys, like, I just don't think that the average Democrat, even as crazy as that party has gone, the average Democrat is not there. Uh, there are still you know, regular, hardworking, blue-collar Democrats in America. There are moderate Democrats that don't believe this crap. They just don't have anyone actually representing them anymore. Because, you know, if you're not for a three-year-old, you know, receiving gender reassignment surgery, you're not getting the California money and the New York money and the billionaire donor class money uh, that it takes. You know, you saw, you know, all, all these things are tying together now. Uh, you, you see it with, you know, whether it's the Jeffrey Epstein stuff and the new news this week and the CIA, direct, like, you know, yet another conspiracy theory that seems to be proving out. And again, uh, I've been a fly on the wall enough to not believe in, in coincidence anymore because there's no coincidence uh, at these levels. And when you see entire states uh, in the entire Democrat Congress voting uh, against allowing or, you know, basically for allowing men to compete against women in sports. You got to wonder, you know, where are the feminists? Uh, where are the soccer moms? Uh, you know, as some dude is trying to take their daughter's, uh, you know, soccer scholarship or whatever it may be because they weren't good enough as a male athlete. Uh, and, you know, again, I, I, I was an early adapter on this one. I'm continuing to hit it hard because it's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> and it, someone has to do it. But, you know, there's a societal pressure uh, to do this. You see the statistics. What, what was it that came out this week? Like one in four, you know, Gen Z people identify as like gay or not sure. Like that didn't just happen. That's that's not because they always felt that way and just weren't comfortable. It's because they've created a societal norm where you're not cool if you're not gay and you're much cooler if you're trans and you're doing this stuff. Uh, there was the statistics a couple of weeks ago. I saw it was like one in five women, uh, you know, identified as gay or or bisexual prior to the pandemic. But when the pandemic hit, amazingly enough, like zero percent of them actually acted on the bisexual. And it probably had something to do with the fact that they weren't actually bisexual. <laughs> it was just cooler in today's society to say that you are. And so, you know, there is an entire psyops going on. Like I, there's no other way of looking at it. Uh, to try to break down uh, everything about what's going on in society, try to break down the family structure, try to uh, make boys effeminate uh, and, you know, eliminate sort of rock star alpha females uh, by allowing men to beat the hell out of them in sports. Uh, it's just absolutely insane. And someone has to say something about it because, like, this isn't like conspiracy theory stuff anymore. This isn't out there. They're saying this shit each and every day. It is a hill for the Democrats to die on. And I cannot fathom why uh, if if there were actually good intentions involved. I no. think I think the general thing is that a lot of the people on their side are too spineless to actually stand up and say what they mean because they're too afraid to get canceled, you know, unfriended on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it, well, listen, there's a serious social consequence. I mean, if, yeah. if you're a concerned mother worried about DEI, BLM bullshit being jammed <laughs> down your children's throats in school, like you were actually labeled a domestic terrorist by our FBI and DOJ. Yep. Like that, that is a serious social consequence right you know for me there's a point now you know when they're going after me and they're trying to cancel me you know every other day or about something else or they're trying to put me in jail at this point it sort of makes me stronger right it just it gives me a bigger soapbox uh you know for the average person you know that's a lot harder man you know you're not invited to the you know the ladies pta lunch or dinner or whatever the hell they're doing like you know not everyone has that but i think you know they they do have to wake up to exactly what's going on earlier, because there's a point where you sort of the pendulum swings too far and you can't, it's not they're just overcorrected. You just reset society entirely. And if they allow it to happen and they, you know, 
every day it's just a little bit further you know it well they're they're not really pedophiles they're not groomers don't say that and if you do we'll cancel you on social and uh you'll be labeled a certain way and yet you know then all of a sudden magically now there's you know there's minor attracted persons they're mm -hmm. called maps and you know they shouldn't be discriminated against uh in your hiring practices as if they were gay or you know or anything else i mean that's going on right now in wisconsin i believe yes, or minnesota one of the two uh, up there like so you you can't discriminate against someone for being a fucking pedophile like are you out of your mind uh and and yet you know every day they're like oh they're like we got this we've put enough pressure on it people are trying to and then they take the next step and the next step and the next step you know we saw the the commentary about youth attracted persons like <laughs> this is not normal stuff uh i mean e e even the regular transgender that you know you know a couple years ago you know, our own medical community, and I don't mean 50 years ago, I mean like single digits, you know, that was a mental disorder. Now, if you say that you're thrown in jail, uh, it's it's crazy, you know, what's going on. And they're not actually looking at real science. They're not looking at anything like that. They're looking at social norms uh, and creating a narrative to back that up. But they've done that with everything else in medicine right now either. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know why anyone would trust any of that science right now. Uh, it's an excellent point you make, and, you know, it, it's just another component of the destruction of the nuclear family. I mean, they've tried for years through policy, through, you know, grandstanding and doing all this, you know, stupid shit to, to, to try and delegitimize the fact that, you know, this country was built on things like the nuclear family. It's when our country has thrived the most is when you could really... Uh, you know, be proud of the way that families are the best representation of American society and, and where their policies have never really caught traction and failed. Now you see them. Well, your dad always says the enemy within is a lot stronger and, and, and hurting America more than it is uh, from outside entities. Now you have the Democrats using children within family units now to kind of destabilize the family unit from within individual homes. Just based off those statistics, we've been seeing about how many Gen Zers identify as this, that or the other thing, whatever color or pronoun or and they decide to be on that day and uh, we really need to push back on it because getting back to that wholesome nature and, and just the representation of family whether it's single or double parent families when the family is strong America is at its strongest and I think that this is just another way that they're continuing to use that and grift off a, a whole new generation of people who are potential voters which is where I want to segue to next on we saw okay so no one's ever going to work harder than your dad in politics. I mean, when it comes to the amount of rallies he could do in a day, I think five or six is kind of where he's been at. And we're talking about across different states, not cities within the same states. And yeah. just the way that he's campaigned over the last, you know, working towards eight years now. Joe Biden rolled out his piece of crap last week, which was a less than three minute video that was heavily edited. Uh, it, it showed, you know, the only white people in the video were Secret Service agents. We saw many pictures of George Floyd. We saw pictures of January 6th. And, you know, we saw uh, a message that he was trying to give, not that talks about any of his accomplishments, because there aren't any, or pieces of legislation, because they've all hurt the country. But we've talked about pushing on the policies that made America great, which were the ones that your dad had during his first term in office. Now, when you saw that, and, and after you were done being astonished on how big of a piece of crap it is. What can you say about what his actual plan might be for the upcoming election cycle? There is no plan, but you, know, you, you don't need a plan, guys. When you have the trillion dollar mainstream media complex functioning as your marketing department, when you have a trillion dollar, you know, big multi-trillion dollar big tech enterprise, uh, you know, artificially boosting you while simultaneously subjugating uh, your, you know, your opposition, uh, when you have, you know, big social doing the same thing, another trillion dollar industry, you don't have to do much. I mean, Joe Biden was able to quote unquote win, uh, you know, from the basement. He didn't have to do anything. No one showed up. You've never seen a Biden hat. You've never, you've barely seen a Biden sticker. <laughs> like there's no actual enthusiasm, but you don't need that when you got trillions of dollars, you know, functioning again as your de facto marketing department. They do all this stuff and vilify, you know, Joe Biden, he's going to be about unity, but he'll get up on a stage and literally demonize and vilify, let's call it 50% of the electorate, as he's done in numerous speeches, while simultaneously talking about unity. Uh, you know, Donald Trump was going to be to start World War III, and yet, strangely enough, we actually had peace and no Russian invasions during Donald Trump, but not under Joe Biden. Uh, you know, Joe Biden was going to bring back the economy, and yet, if you look at any reasonable metric, like 
Well, that didn't work out either. How's, you know, how's all this garbage working out for you? But again, when you have that big a platform and you have that big a platform simultaneously, you know, lying about the other side and or covering up the truth. You know, you saw that with January 6th, right? It's an insurrection. I mean, it's the first freaking unarmed insurrection in the history of the world. Amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. But you didn't see any videos for two years. You know, people who aren't into this stuff and, you know, weren't there or weren't looking at it or saying, oh, well, there, there must be truth to it. I used to believe that, too. Hey, guys, I used to watch CNN and be like, hey, man, there must be something here. They, you know, I was a subject of Russia, 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 yep. that bullshit. I did 50 hours of testimony for treason, you know, the, a crime punishable by death, minor details. And like I was like, well, there, you know, I know it wasn't me, but there has to be something here. The FBI and the CIA are saying it. No, no, no. There doesn't have to be anything. You guys sort of you, you mentioned sort of Assange and Snowden earlier, you know, going into this like six, seven years ago. I'd have been like, oh, man, those guys put our guys in jail, mm-hmm. in danger. That's treasonous. That's like now I'm like, oh, oh, oh my God. God, like we're you know, we're fighting a ground war in, in the Ukraine against Russia, unbeknownst to Congress, unbeknownst to the citizens. And and shit, that story's out of the news in less than 24 hours. We don't even hear anything about it anymore. So like. I think having been there, having been a target of the stuff, having been in the room on many occasions when I then see the news about what supposedly happened in that room and there's there's not even, you know, there's not even a pretense of truth let alone objectivity right uh, in there and it's like oh my god like maybe we're not the good actors I thought we actually were. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and that's why Trump's such a threat to these guys, especially maybe honestly Trump as a a second term lame duck president where you're not trying to get reelected. You don't need to make friends. You can just go in there and burn it all down. Like, man, that's a big threat to them. And that's, I mean, I love that because we need it because again, I've been there. I've seen it. I continue to see it. And you know, no one else out there has the balls to actually stand up to these guys and to do something about it. Everyone else tells you they, they will, but you know, you see the flip flops and then, you know, Ukraine, well, we'll take the Trump light approach on Ukraine. And two days later, oh, your donors, the, you know, the rhino donors, they don't want that. Yeah. They're going to be tough on China too. I'm sure guys really, mm. uh, you know, that's why Trump's such a threat and that's why they're going to do whatever they can to stop them. And that's why, again, you know, even Fox, you, you start becoming a pro Trump voice and eh, they'll get rid of you. No, they certainly will. And I do want to stick in this thread before we jump on to your dad's reelection real quick. Now, going through that time, you made a comment that said before you knew about any of this stuff, the way the administrative state actually worked up in D.C., you would see people like Assange and Snowden on TV. You'd hear the generic reports and you'd be like, oh, man, that's crappy. They're putting our troops and our country, our security in danger. Now, when you got drug in there for the first time, being threatened with treason, jail forever, possibly firing squad, and, and you're going through it as someone that now you're the person on the news who they say, oh, yeah, D- Donald Trump Jr. is a Russian agent, and we're going to make sure that he testifies under oath that he's going to tell us he's one. How is that? I mean, you've probably developed a ridiculously thick skin from working in the business world for so long and now having been with your dad over the course of the last almost decade. But going through that for the first time and seeing yourself in front of a, a committee who's asking you questions about how you're you know, compromising the security of this country, was it just crazy? crazy to live through yeah it was i mean it, it, crazy on multiple a it's so ridiculous i mean you had you had people in there like you know, jackie spire was asking me quite like well in 1982 they sold an apartment to the russia i was like i was four <laughs> maybe maybe five like it, like they had no idea about what's really going on you could see everything was a soundbite i when i did the house intelligence committee for like nine hours straight uh they literally uh, they literally were like, you can't bring your phones. You can't bring anything. They had to put it in a lockbox. Uh, my lawyers had to do the same thing. Uh, and I get out of this meeting, you know, for treason at like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. And I'm scrolling through Twitter and literally like on, on the every bathroom break throughout, there's like, this is what's going on in the room. And, you know, it's obviously Adam Schiff leaking it directly to CNN. <laughs> and was like, you know, I was a part of three of the, you know, the walls are closing in bombshell bullshit. Like I, I was literally a lead call and like none of them end up being true. Like, and all of them had been, you know, objectively totally disproven. And yet, you know, they were there for clickbaits. Uh, even once it was totally disproven, no one really changed. I said, well, it's a little late now. It's like, well, but it was a lie and it was wrong. Uh, but it was designed for, you know, for a singular purpose of making Trump's presidency you know, putting some tarnish on it, trying to prevent him from getting through an agenda. And you, you saw that even from the Republicans that didn't do much work to help him. 
And, you know, I, I thought that was what was perhaps most telling about his presidency is that despite the uni party in D.C. continually working against him, he's still got a lot done. Uh, now that you know that's actually there, because, again, for me, like, I wanted to believe that America is everything I'd been told it had been, and I'm a patriotic American, so therefore, you know, there's no way, like, if the FBI said it, there there must be something there, right? The CIA, these guys are, these are the good guys, right? And, you know, maybe that was naive, but, man, when you go through what I've gone through, when you go through what our family has gone through, be like, no, dude, these guys are really bad actors. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I wouldn't trust a single thing that any of them ever say. And all this stuff is making it more apparent to the general public that that is the case too. It's like people bring up like, well, the CIA was like, you know, bringing in loads of cocaine in the eighties and stuff like that. It's like, Oh, these are, these are dirty agencies. Yeah. The things that they try to do to push their narratives behind the scenes would shock most of the people who only are casual followers of politics. And, you know, I wanted to ask you that follow-up question, Don, because we had Matt Gates on here uh, recently, just about a month ago. And and of all the great stuff, we want to talk to him about committees, about your dad and, and, you know, all this stuff combating the Biden regime. We wanted to ask him about when they had that hit piece. I mean, they were basically calling him a pedophile and saying that he was going to go to jail for child trafficking. And I wanted to ask him how that affected him, affected his family. I think the listenership, you know, deserves not only to hear the talking points, but to, to get to know the person that we're trying to, you know, have a conversation with on a little bit more personal level, because it makes it, it makes it more, you know, this could happen to anybody. I mean, just because you're Donald Trump yeah. Jr. or that's Congressman Matt Gates, we've already seen families at PTA meetings, uh, bakers and bakery shops and, yep. and Catholics and other, you know, sects of the Christian faith, all targeted by the FBI and, and DOJ just for being supporters of your dad and not wanting, like you said, having their kids dicks chopped off and stuff like that. So, no, listen, I, you know, again, you know, the Gates thing was similar to mine, maybe worse in a certain way, at least, you know, in in my opinion, because of the, but it's like, you know, listen, he's a good friend of mine. I've hung out with Matt for years. He's a, he's a buddy. And then you see that, like, dude, even still, even as a friend, you're like, well, is there something to it? Like, I mean, you, you have to believe. And then when they, you know, they do their, well, we're just not going to pursue it anymore. I'm like, no, wait, wait, you mean there was never anything there, right? They don't say mm-hmm. like there was never anything there. So they can tarnish you for two years. Then they, they, they're just not going forward. Like we're, we're not sure. So we'll just kind of leave it out there rather than being like, yeah, there was never anything there. It was all a lie. I mean, there's still people pushing like Russia, Russia, Russia as though it happens. Yep. But, you know, that's the idea of it, right? They're, they're, they're trying to put you out there by yourself, uh, you know, even if you're a conservative and even if you know Matt reasonably well, you're like, well, I don't think he'd do that. But I mean, may, may, could there be something there? So like now he's on an island. You can't really be supportive. I, you know, what? the best example I used for that one for me was sort of General Flynn, who I got to know really well sure. You know, in 16 throughout the election. And I'm sitting there being like, well, you know, the CIA said he's like doing stuff with Turkey and all, like is there. So I didn't come out like against him. I never said anything negative about him, but I'm like. Well, I also wasn't as proactively for him as I probably would have liked to have been or, you know, based on everything I had experienced myself, because I'm like, well, if he did these things, like we just got to let it kind of play out. And I think that's the idea of some of these attacks, you know, take an effective player, take a guy like Matt Gates, who's not afraid to get up there and stir up the shit that Mm -hmm. needs to be stirred up. And like, let's we'll just bench him a little bit, you know, take. Take 50% of the people that would be vocal in supporting him and, you know, take them out of the picture for a couple months uh, or year and a half while they're figuring out, is he or is he not a pedophile? Like, it's disgusting. And there's no one they won't ruin. You you, you mentioned it. I mean, you know, the FBI is implanted in uh, Catholic churches now because they're the real threat, right? Now, they wouldn't. I, don't, I have a feeling they're not embedded in mosques because that would be racist and, you know, terrible and, and all of this stuff. You know, the... Uh, if it every time there's a shooting, you know, you can see them praying to Satan or whoever the hell they actually pray to because they don't worship God. Right. But that it's, you know, a MAGA guy with, in a hat who's a racist conservative, you know, one of the three in the country that they can just pin it on. And the, and the second it's not when it's a black supremacist like we saw in the Wisconsin, you know, miracle uh, where a car drove itself through a parade, according to the media, not driven by a racist extremist. Uh, with a long track record of social media outbursts, racist against white people, et cetera, et cetera. No, no, no. It was a car that drove through that parade. When it's a trans shooter, uh, literally pronouns in the bio, a manifesto. We have yet to see the manifesto. And, you know, the the White House talking points are about how it's a danger to the trans community. I'm like, what about Christian children? 
What, like, what about Catholic children who were fucking mowed down in cold blood by this sociopath who's been jacked up probably on all sorts of hormone shit because he's a lunatic? Because at any other time in our history and another any other time in medicine, even recent medicine, he'd be diagnosed as clinically insane or certainly with mental issues. No, no, no. We're going to protect the shooter, not the victims. And, you know, they won't even talk about the rise, you know, of trans violence. And you see the videos every day. They're getting increased because they're emboldened because there's no consequence. If you can say if you check off that box and say, hey, you're trans, it's like, oh, oh. Oh, South Park did a good one on this. You know, oh, you're trans? Oh, in that case, you can do whatever the hell you want. Like, you don't have to obey by the rules. You don't have to play by the same rules that everyone else has. You have carte blanche to do whatever the hell you want. And, I mean, that's what's really going on. I mean, there's, there's, there's no way to pretend otherwise at this point. Yeah, you had the three Congress people from the Tennessee state legislator that shut down Congress protesting that the trans terrorists wasn't having their pronouns appropriately talked about in the media already visit Joe Biden in the White House, and he's yet to make a call to any of the six families who lost a child and, and, and three adults in, in that terrorism, uh, you know, that happened down there at that Christian school not too long ago. It's disgusting the way that this country is de-evolving, especially at the mainstream media and political levels, and that's why we're glad that your voice is out there kind of pushing back as hard as you can, the same way we try to do every week here on Steak for Breakfast. So, Don, I did want to touch on your dad's re-election campaign before. Let's just make things clear. We on the show feel that your dad is the greatest political icon in the history of our country, not because we're fans of him, but because of the things he was allowed to do, the things that he was able to get done for the American people, the promises kept over the course of his first term. You know, and when you look at this election that's coming up right now in 2024, you did a recent podcast in the last month with the editor-in-chief of the National Pulse, Raheem Kassam, and you guys talked about how this is a real election of good versus evil. I think the first 25 minutes or so of this podcast kind of outlines how there is so much evil out there that has been normalized in society. We need some good to push back on this. At the front of that fight is your father. He talks about glory and triumph for this country, bringing back all the things that that made this country strong. And, And again, as cliche as it sounds, making America great again. It's the backbone of our movement. One of the things I've heard you say recently on a podcast, it's a concern to us as well, and we try to point it out with all the people, not only that we have come through here, but all the ones who don't always necessarily get on board quick, and that's the bench. You mentioned people like J.D. Yeah. Vance. We've already touched on people like Matt Gates. We know that those are our fighters up on Capitol Hill. There's people in the media like Tucker Carlson and a lot of other Congress people who are on board with your dad and Agenda 47 and getting him back into the White House and understanding what's happening to this country right now. But what do we need to do in the next 18 months to make sure that bench deepens and it's with the strongest people, not the milk toast, not the lukewarm, not the, okay, I'm going to go with Donald Trump because he's going to bash me on social media if I don't go with him. But the people who are really going to go out yeah. and champion this message to make sure we retake the oval in 2024. Well, listen, when you find them, when you recognize them, we got we to gotta promote them. Yeah. We, we got to give them a platform. We got to make sure that they have that because they're going to do like what they did to Matt Gates or what they try to do to me or what they try to do to my father. They canceled the most powerful man in the world, theoretically, as he was president because he wasn't going along with their narrative. And it turns out the narrative was bullshit. But like it, that doesn't matter. Six months later, you know, we, we do a great job of, you know, we jump up and down on social. We got the win. We got the win. See, I told you so. It's like, no, no, no. They got the win. Now it doesn't matter. We, you know, maybe they, they don't even care. They have no shame. They're right. like, no, no, no. We weaponized. We got everything we wanted out of whether it was COVID, whether it was about Trump, whether it was the impeachments. You know, they get the win at the time. Six months later, a year later, two years later, we're like, oh yeah, we were right all along. We knew it. It's like, well, that's great, but they're they're laughing their asses off because there's no actual consequence or accountability. You know, we got to find those guys and make sure you know they have those platforms. I, I wish we had a deeper bench than we do. Uh, frankly, you know, some of the guys that I thought were probably, you know, would have been good on that bench, you know, just the last couple of months alone, you see them flip flop or they kowtow to the billionaire donors or they, and it's just like, oh no, like it, they're going that way. So, you know, when we have a rock star, we got to make sure we actually do what we can, uh, to help them. Uh, you, you, you can't ascribe to, to the, to the nonsense. You can't believe the stuff that's out there. We got to keep pushing them and we got to, we got to encourage other people. I mean, the attacks on Trump, in my opinion, uh, were oftentimes a, a large part, just not even the attack on Trump. It's to discourage anyone else yep. from the outside, anyone with real business experience, anyone who'd function at a high level, anyone outside of the bureaucratic class to, to stop them from getting into a race, you know? These guys, you know, they want to create the image online or on Twitter. You know, every, this guy's a fighter, too. And then, 
you know, the consultants make their 25% on every ad buy and on every dollar raised. And, you know, they're not going to let those guys not run. Uh, they'll, they'll pretend they're super manga. And then it's like real quickly, you realize, oh my God, like they, they were given an opportunity to do something great. And they went the other direction. It's like, oh boy, here we go again. Just another, uh, just another bureaucrat, uh, you know, trying to use that label to get elected. Who's going to be a disaster once they do. And again, uh, you know, I, I I'm not doing this because politics was <laughs> the next thing for me. I, you know, I, I believed in what my father was doing. Yeah. We saw the results. I continue to do that, but I want to make sure there's 30 Donald Trump's, uh, you know, not not a milquetoast version uh, that's painted to be Donald Trump in the future. And so, you know, we just got to support those guys. We got to build them up. We got to not allow the nonsense and the noise uh, to get in the way of that because they'll do whatever they can to eliminate those people from power. Yeah, and as his endorsement list continues to grow, I feel like the bench is starting to deepen a little bit. We do need a lot more people to get in and get in fast so we can start getting the message out across the country. But for the ones that are getting in there, you could see the way they talk up on Capitol Hill when they're in committee, subcommittee hearings and stuff like that. These are the guys that actually want to get this country fixed and back on the right track. And then when you talk about you know the influence that pushes back against the America First agenda, the lobby groups, the donors, consultants, vendors, the Griffin Singers, Louders, and Murdochs of the world, you're basically up against Every single thing on this planet where a person could turn on a television, a computer, a cell phone, any device, and see their message. And through all of that, you say the the signal through the noise, your dad's message has been able to resonate with them. And, and no matter how much they try to demonize him in the mainstream media and the legacy print press, he goes to UFC. He goes to these small, obscure towns for speaking events. He went out to East Palestine, Ohio. And there's a mob fault. There's not a mob of Antifa or detractors like throwing bricks and burning cars whenever he goes there. There's people yeah. who want to go and see him and touch him and take pictures with him. And no matter how many times they try to say he's this, that, or the other thing, whenever he goes out, with, I mean, even when he went into the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, there was thousands of more people there in New York City, the belly of the beast, that yeah. were there in support of him than there was detractors. You really can't say that about the man that your dad has been. And then you mentioned the people who aren't ready for prime time. I think we do have to touch on Ron DeSantis just briefly. You've already mentioned he, he's not the guy. I mean, obviously he's uh, kind of being forced down this road a little bit and he's going to make probably. Yeah, listen, he's being for his, his consultants are going to make, you know, 10, 20, 30 million dollars uh, on this race. Whether he, you know, if, if he doesn't run, they don't make anything. Uh, there's no like, oh, I'll sit it out, wait it out. You know, they raised money for this. They got to use it now and they're not going to not let him do it. The donor class. And again, I would rather take the money that's going to be blown in a primary that will win anyway sure. and spend it on like creating the ballot harvesting operation that we need across the country to challenge the Democrats doing the stuff that we're doing rather than fighting so that literally a consultant can skim 20, 25 percent off of every commercial hitting Trump and put millions of dollars in their pocket. That's the game right now. And when you have the billionaire donors funding that, it's because they're not really America first. You know, they pretend they're that, but. You know, they want to get their widget for two cents cheaper from China and all that. You know, you saw it with DeSantis. And again, he was one of the people I was and I, I'd done a lot for Ron DeSantis. I yeah. probably did more for him in 18 to get elected, meaning than anyone else on his campaign in, in terms of in-person events, traveling with him, trying to get him there. But then you see, you know, he, he gets out on Tucker Carlson and takes, you know, maybe the Trump light approach on Ukraine. And then two days later, when Ken Griffin uh, says, well, I don't I don't like that. Approach. He backs right off of that one. You know, notice how he hasn't said anything of that, about Tucker Carlson, who'd be like, you know, the guy saying all the things that our base and the average Republican wants to hear mm -hmm. uh, and see. Like he hasn't said anything about that. That happened a week ago because he's not going to cross Fox uh, and Paul Ryan and the people who are the de facto boosters of his campaign. Like so if you thought he had a you know, he was one of those guys that could be great on the bench. You know, the last few weeks, you know, the let's call it his actions or perhaps his inactions yes. uh, are have been a total disaster for what you'd think would be the America first agenda. And so, you know, that's a shame. I'd love to see people that had a real chance for the future. I, I you know, I don't think that's it right now. And that's based on fact, not fiction. No, that's it right there. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be the end of Ron DeSantis's political career, especially at like a more national level. I don't think he's going to be able to run for a statewide in Florida, at least for the, you know, well past 2028, maybe into the 2030s after he makes this bad decision. But like you said, it's driven by money. Uh, you know, when you look at the course of his career, a lot of people say he's like the Donald Trump uh, without the whatever mean tweets. I mean, the guy went from Harvard Law to a JAG position in the military to the U.S. Justice Department to a congressional seat to 
to the governor of Florida. That, when you kind of just break it down in black and white, sounds a lot more swampy than like America First Ron, where they show like his, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Harvard. No, listen, you, you can create a lot of image online, clipping him, you know, dunking on, you know, taking basically my social media feed or you know, someone else from the MAGA movement incorporating a little dunk on some local reporter who's an imbecile and an idiot, yep. you know, in a press conference, like, you know, w- without that setup, uh, you know, without the sort of the creation of the personality online, you start looking and it's, it, it's a lot more bleak than that. And I know, cause I've spent a lot of time with them. And speaking of time of people around and what do you say about those people who have abandoned the MAGA movement to now kind of astroturf this campaign online? They're re- basically rewriting history for him at a level that's close to like the New York Times rewriting American history with the 1619 project at this point. Well, listen, I, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of that. I, listen, I created a lot of those people, right? There was no sort of conservative influencers like prior to Trump. And I've spent a lot of time boosting them. But you, you see it. It's like, oh, well, they got a paycheck. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's ones that it's literally like, I'm loving Trump 2024. It's like the next day, it's like, this is not working. We're going to go with the other. Like, it's so uh, it's so ridiculous. But again, uh, you know, that's the game. I get it. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll continue to do that. I think anyone who's actually watching and anyone, uh, you know, like I said, we, we all have to learn from what we, we're seeing out there. Uh, we, we can't just take that narrative. And, I, you know, again, I, I don't think it's been effective. And I, I don't think it's been effective as evidenced by what's going on in the polling no. uh, as evidenced by what's going on with the Republican endorsements from even the Florida delegation, yep. whether it's Matt Gates, Anna Paulina Luna, Byron Donalds, like, you know, all these guys that know someone really well and they're going with Trump. Like there's a reason folks. And it ain't because, uh, you know, they, they, they're not seeing what's online. They, they see what's online and they see the truth and they know the individuals involved and they know exactly what's going on. And that's why they're for Trump. Well, we have all the meme makers in America first, too, and we have all the people that screenshot stuff from the last two election cycles that as soon as these people go out and start trying to rewrite history for Ron DeSantis, they put their old tweets in there and said, but you love Donald <laughs> Trump like six months ago. So, And then they'll have a great meme for it. Don, last question. It's a quickie before we cut with you right now. I think uh, my, my co-host doesn't even know. I just kind of thought up this one. Battle of the First Sons. Ooh. Your son, your father's a huge fan of UFC. You versus Hunter <laughs> Biden in the <laughs> octagon. You want to just let you could even just say Listen, me or I, him. I, yeah, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> You're in. That's it. So we've had we've had multiple uh, pay per views that could solve world hunger, and this is definitely one of them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, but what if he wears the outfit that's like the underwear, the house shoes, and the scarf? You'd still take him down. Oh. Listen, I don't know how much I want to touch that these days. You know, I mean, if you see, so, imagine, you know, if it was the Don Jr. laptop, all of this stuff would be pretty, oh, uh, pretty game ending. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a part of me that I don't know that I'd actually want physical contact because man, it, we we've seen enough. Well, but, do, uh, do you think he yeah, has that'd, a, be, uh, that'd be an interesting one for sure. Do you think he has a glass jaw, or he's just had a lot of glass in his jaws? Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I don't even want to know. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 I've seen enough to not. I, what I want to know is what's out there, or what did he do that he decided was like, you know what, this is a bit too much to video. <laughs> Like that's the that's the file I really want. Where he was like, I don't know, maybe it's a little too much because man, what we've seen is rather damning, and uh, it could get interesting from there. Well, we heard last week that he might have been sleeping with you know Secretary of State Tony Blinken's oh, yeah. wife while while, she, while he was whipping the fifty one former intelligence officials to make up some fake memo to uh, you know get the Hunter Biden laptop out of the election cycle in twenty twenty. So who knows? I mean, we've already seen Skittle penis. We can only go down from here, I think. So. <laughs> Don, exactly. this, this has been awesome sitting down with you for the first time today. We can only pray here on Steak for Breakfast that it won't be the last. At some point in the near future, you'd come back and sit down with us again. We're obviously going to live link your hit podcast tr- triggered in the show description today. But for anyone that wants to follow you that, for some reason or not, listens to this show and already isn't, what could we live link as well? Uh, yeah, you, 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 just go check me out on Rumble. Follow me there. Like it so you see it. You know, Maybe download the app. I know You know, a couple days after the show, they'll they'll upload it to the usual suspects, I guess, that, you know, iTunes. Uh, podcast and I think Spotify as well. So if you want to listen just to the audio, uh, it's there and it's just, you know, the triggered podcast with Don Jr. And I go live uh, Mondays and Thursdays at 6 p.m. So I got Wesley Hunt on tonight. Uh, had DJT on uh, last Thursday uh, doing crypto bit on, you know, this coming Thursday. So nice. we're having some cool, some cool conversations.
Yeah, just so you know, uh, we had Congressman Hunt on the show last week, and before you even get into the transgender thing, he identified to us as Apache Attack Helicopter. Those are his pronouns. <laughs> so you can probably lean in. <laughs> That's a that. solid one. I, I I may abide by those pronouns. I'll let, I I may let him jam those on me because it's like that's cool enough. Not not the other insane stuff. Uh, he's a cool guy that's working on your dad's Texas real re-election delegation as well. And we had a great time yep. sitting down with your fiance Kimberly last month. We'll be sitting down with her again at some point in the future as well. But uh, we just want to tell you, thank you on behalf of our listenership for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and join us today. This is businessman, podcast host, author. You know he's America first. He's the first son. This is Donald Trump Jr. Thank you for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Well, Noah, mission accomplished. Nice. And one step closer to the big guy as well. If you enjoyed this episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast and want to hear the now over 235 other editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, or even in the Samsung Store. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go out to Donald Trump Jr. It's great sitting down with him today, and he definitely helped make steaks great again. Guys, want to punch one more of our partners, because when you throw your hard-earned cash at them, it always helps make small American businesses great again as well. Our good friend Alan is the CEO of My Patriot Cigars. Listen, they are of the toppest of quality. Noah loves them. I enjoy them. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, and you get 15% off your order. Any order over 100 bucks, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. Ooh, get that new hat, too. They do have new hats. And new shirts. Yep. MyPatriotCigars.com is the website, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. And we'll be back tomorrow. We've got a big show planned. Congressman Eli Crane, George Santos, and Lance Gooden's making his Steak for Breakfast debut. We're going to talk about geopolitics with the retired Army Colonel, Douglas McGregor, as well. Guys, this has been a special edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back, like I said, tomorrow with episode 235 on behalf of the entire pod team everyone over at the pulse family and all our friends that helped make this exclusive interview with donald trump jr happen i'm roan noah later thanks for listening and we'll see you tomorrow you take that back no way it's your fault you know what your problem is you live in a fantasy land. You refuse to get a job, and you don't even know what it's like to work for something. You don't take responsibility for your actions, and that's why this is all your fault. Well, you're a mama's boy who's too chicken to sing in public. Yeah, that's right. Run away, little boy. You know it's true. Just avoid everything. What are you doing? Motherfucker! Ah! Ah! Get up, Brennan! I know you're faking! Get up!